Our learning objective is to determine the tax consequences of various equity investments, including the treatment of capital gains and losses, as well as qualified and non-qualified dividend income. Now, with regard to capital gains and capital losses, there are four categories. And let's look at each of them as if you only have one transaction during the year and it falls into one of these four categories, or you had several transactions, but they're all in the same category. The first category is short-term capital gains. And short-term capital gains are taxed as ordinary income, so just like your other wage income. Long-term capital gains are taxed at a 15% marginal tax rate, Unless your marginal tax rate is 15%, then the long-term uh, capital gain tax rate is 5%. And in 2008 through 10, if the marginal tax, if your marginal tax rate is uh, 10 or 15%, then the uh, long-term capital gain tax rate is 0%. The if you have short-term capital loss or long-term capital loss then uh, first what you do is to offset capital gains with your capital losses, but then to the extent that you still have capital losses, or if you only have capital losses, you can deduct up to $3,000 per year total from ordinary income, and if you still have capital losses, you would carry the unused portion forward. Okay, so let's look uh, in a little more detail at the issue of combining capital gains and capital losses. So the first step in preparing your tax return when you have capital gains and capital losses is you combine all the like categories together. So you, you total up all of your realized gains and losses and then group them and treat each group's total as if that's a single transaction. Next, you combine the short-term capital gain with the short-term capital loss, and you get either a net short-term capital gain or a net short-term capital loss. You do the same with the long-term capital gain and the long-term capital loss, uh, and end up with either a net long-term capital gain or a net long-term capital loss. So now you're down to two categories. Now, if one of those two categories is a loss and the other is a gain, then you deduct the loss from the gain again, and depending on which is larger, you, you're, the tax treatment as if, is, is as if that is the only transaction for the year. If both uh, the net short-term and the net long-term are gains, then you tax each of those gains according to the rules that we just talked about. And if both are losses, then your losses are limited to a total of $3,000 per year. Own stock, one sometimes will receive what is known as a capital distribution. Technically, a capital distribution is a dividend that is paid out of the, the company's capital rather than from accumulated profits. 
And the distinction is very important because if it's a capital distribution, then there is no taxation due at the time of the distribution, but you do have to reduce your investment's cost basis by the amount of the capital distribution because a capital distribution is really treated as a return of some of the investor's money. Capital distributions are also sometimes called liquidating dividends. When you own stock, you will sometimes uh, notice that uh, the company declares a stock split or a stock dividend. And in this context, when I say stock dividend, I'm alluding to uh, dividends that are paid in the form of new shares of stock, not cash dividends. So a 3% stock dividend means if you own 100 shares, you would be awarded another three shares, 3% 3 of your holding. Now, for both stock splits and stock dividends, they are non-taxable events. The only thing that has to happen is you would have to prorate your old cost basis to the new shares. So, for example, if you paid $1,260 for 100 shares, and there is a three-for-one split, then the cost basis is still $1,260 for all 300 shares, but it's also now $4.20 a share rather than the $12.60 per share that you originally paid for it. If you ultimately sell all 300 shares at the same time, it's really not noticed uh, in your computations. But if you end up selling only some of the 300 shares later, then the uh, adjusted cost basis per share becomes a very important number. Now, with regard to taxation of dividend and interest income, dividend income falls into two categories. Some, most dividends are classified as qualified dividends, but uh, uh, for other companies, the dividends are classified as ordinary dividend. The good news is the taxpayer does not have to figure out whether the dividends received are qualified or ordinary because the payer of the dividends will advise the taxpayer. But qualified dividends for 2010 are taxed at a 15% rate or 10% if you have a 15% marginal federal tax rate. The mar uh, mar if the, the marginal tax rate on qualified dividends goes to 0% if the individual is in the lowest two tax brackets. However, there is a catch on the special tax rates, uh, the 0% the uh, tax rate, uh, and that is you have to hold uh, the underlying security for at least 60-day periods surrounding the payment of the dividend. Now, ordinary dividends uh, continue to be taxed as ordinary income, that is just like wage income, and interest income, unless it's on municipal bonds, is always taxed as ordinary income. Let's consider some true-false questions. A capital distribution is itself tax-free, 
but may have other tax consequences. That would be true. The other tax consequences are to adjust the cost basis. An investor may deduct from ordinary income up to $3,000 per year in short-term capital losses and up to $3,000 in long-term capital losses. That would be false because the most you can take in a deduction against ordinary income is $3,000 total. Stock splits are non-taxable events. That's true. Uh, they are non-taxable events, so even the IRS recognizes that when a company splits its stock, there is nothing of any economic value that is occurring. 